From the Haunted Attraction Network, I'm Philip, and this is a bonus episode of our weekly segment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. We typically air Green Tagged every Monday, and Green Tagged is our weekly commentary show where we break down the news and discuss why it matters to your haunt. Of course, we're still airing Green Tagged episodes, but since our Hauntathon is currently happening, this is going to be treated as a bonus episode. Check your feed for today's regular Hauntathon episode. Anyway, here is Scott Swenson and I with this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. From our studios in Orlando and Tampa, this is Green Tagged Theme Park in 30. I'm Philip, and I'm joined by my co-host Scott Swenson of Scott Swenson Creative Development. So tis the season for marketing all of our Halloween events, and uh, nobody knows this better than those of us who are running Halloween events like me or those of us who are reporting on them like Philip. So, in fact, Philip, I think you've seen what eighteen gazillion different uh, haunted attractions and and around the around the country this year. And um, so, in talking about this being a very important part of what's happening within the industry at this time of year, uh, and it's been going on for a while, but we figured now we can actually report on some of the specifics that we've seen and and things that we thought worked really well and things that we thought probably um, should be better planned for in the future. We'll put it that way, uh, because again. When you're dealing with with media for a haunted attraction or a haunted festival, it is going to be different if you're in a theme park, for example. It is going to be different than the media that you do for your day product. There are mm-hmm. some unique elements that will benefit you. And if you try to do it exactly the same as your day product, chances are good you're going to miss some low-hanging fruit or you're going to report, in things, report things in a way that is not nearly as um, mysterious or exciting as a Halloween event could possibly be. So, um, yeah. So, Philip, let's 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 start with the positive stuff. You know, what is the what are the things that you've seen? Because, like I said, you've done a bunch of reporting. I can talk about the projects that I've worked on, but um, uh, you've seen a you've done a bunch of reporting this Halloween season, and you've been around to a bunch of different places. And let's start with let's start with what has worked. Who has really sort of welcomed the media or at least your experience with the media with open arms and had stuff planned for them and and made it so that you could get the content you needed to help promote and sell tickets for them yeah i want to take a step back just briefly and say for new listeners this is a a little bit of a special episode if you haven't listened to any of our previous episodes usually we do news every week but since this again as scott mentioned Tis a season and we've done it all. So we're doing a little bit of a unusual kind of special episode. Um, and that's what brought us to this media point. But uh, yeah. Um, and also to kind of to give context, what we do at the network, I think it's a little bit unique. We, we, we're not uh, we're not an agency, but we are also not just a like a, I guess, a single content producer. So we we have partners. We have media partners, and what I'll do is is we'll kind of we'll trade content back and forth. So sometimes, with my media partners, they will go out and get if they're going to cover an event already. I'll ask them to get some stuff for me, and I'll give them kind of a list and outline, and also vice versa. So if I go out to an event, I might be getting content for just me or up to four other media partners at one time. So up to five outlets that I'm trying to record stuff for at one time. So, um, and everybody needs something a little bit different. So, so keep that in mind. I'm like, we're, we're talking about the different things. Like, um, well, I think it's a very good thing for, for people to keep in mind who are on the other side, who are on the, uh, the, the owner or the operator side is to recognize that 
in this day of multi-level, um, well, multiple multiple level distribution, shall we say, um, the content that you're getting to one source may actually end up on multiple sources. I mean, we've all seen how things, uh, especially in the in the digital realm, things get picked up, things get shared, things get uh, reposted by uh, different organizations. So, you know, you may be looking at certain entities with a very old fashioned eye and may be thinking this this may not be, you know, the the three major networks, which are no longer major anymore. Um, Yeah, this is this is a a heavy duty blogger or a a strong blogger or a content, you know, basically a content clearinghouse um, kind of like haunted attraction network. So. So recognize first, right up the right up right at the beginning, that the content that goes out there is not just for the person who's getting it. In fact, it rarely is. It can if if it works the way it's supposed to, it will be shared, it will be spread. But the way to do that is to make it compelling and interesting. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I will say, if if you're unsure, because I do get asked this uh, before I get to the best practices, I do get kind of asked like how. how how do we know, basically? And my answer is, you know, if they're asking to be treated like media, they should have a media kit. They really should. Um, even if they're just a regular, quote unquote, blogger or a TikToker or any of those people, they should have some sort of media kit. Even if it's just they tell you all I do is TikTok and here it is and here's samples of my videos. They should be able to at least give you that. But just ask them. That's always the first thing is really just ask and they will tell you. And because I, I will tell people if they ask me, I will. We have a page on our website that outlines all of our different products. But also I will tell them in, in that case, Scott, like usually how it goes is I will pitch like so for Volta Souls, for example, come out and visit it's got show. And I beforehand, I pitched that story to all of our media partners and kind of saw who wanted to bite to get that story. And then depending on what they needed from me, I would record a different intro maybe, you know, for them versus, and do a little bit different coverage than what I would normally do. But the network itself are like native channels as to Scott's point. So we do a weekly newsletter. So if you say something in, you know, in an interview, when I go out and interview you, right, that interview would turn into a podcast. It would also turn into uh, maybe we'll take the best thing you said and put it in the newsletter. So it'll be a newsletter mention. Then also we do our print magazine still that goes out twice a year. So it might end up in there if it's really good, it's a good case study. But then we also will turn it into a video and we'll take that long form video and we'll take short term video, the, the short form vertical, and we'll put that vertical on Instagram reels and TikTok. I mean, so there's really... We, we would generate up to 10 assets for each, you know, each time that we talk. And that's just me. But then if I give it to other content partners, they might take it and edit it in a different way. So, so yeah, yeah, that, that's a <laughs> treat, treat, yeah. treat legitimate, um, legitimate digital media. Um, like you, we like in the old days, quote unquote, we used to treat television media, which yeah. basically get them everything they need. Um, and television mm-hmm. media actually started that mentality is because they would often have print partners. Then they got websites. Then they yeah. got so they would they yeah. would uh, repurpose the information, repurpose the content in uh, multiple different formats. Uh, but now that is that is the standard, not the uh, it, it has become the standard. Uh, certainly with with the the more legitimate groups like Audit Attraction Network, um, yeah. that's, that's become the standard instead of the exception. 
Yeah. And, but yeah, definitely ask them because there are some people that we work with. Um, again, the reason, and actually I do think it's pretty rare to have like a quote unquote content creator, like, like ourselves that, that we give out so much content to other people. Um, it's very difficult. And the reason is because it's very difficult. And, and there are some content creators that get like, they feel like things are proprietary or whatever, but but the reason you should ask is because we do have a few channels we work with that only produce in one medium, and that's all they care about. So, you know, we have a, a TikTok partner that I will send stuff to, and they that's all they do. And they don't, like, they don't want to do anything else, and that's all they do. And that's fine, you know, but, so just, just ask. But speaking of asking, <laughs> that's, I think, kind of um, best practices. I think that is kind of my first best practice is when people just ask you what you need to be successful, or they at least ask you what you do, or they somehow they, they show some interest in what, what you were trying to create, like, or at least trying to put you in a bucket, right? Do you need video? Do you need just audio? Do you need photos? Like, what do you need? What kind of content do, do you create? You know, that's always the best practice. And there are, it's very difficult to do that, especially if you are handling a lot of requests, then it can get pretty daunting. And I hate to, I know that, I know it's difficult, especially for people that don't have full teams. Um, So I I understand that. So take it with a grain of salt. But uh, I I think some of the best media correspondence I've had has actually been with Universal. Again, probably because they have the money to employ a full team, right? That's probably the reason. But, you know, Universal, I had a, they do it really well. You know, the, the one in Orlando, especially, they do it well. They I'm not sure they did this with everybody, but at least with me, I had to send an equipment list ahead of time. Like even down to that, like send an equipment list ahead of time. They asked exactly what I would be doing and what I'd be getting. And then they would help match you up with, with handlers, you know, that, that, that night that would help make sure you get what you need, but also, you know, in, in a, a way that they wanted, of course. And then afterwards they follow up and they ask for a list of all the places where the content has appeared, Right. And I think that is my next best practice as well is, is um, I, maybe unless you're broadcast media, but I have a suspicion that even the individual anchors enjoy this. But just like when you are creating something, you know, like content creators are generally, they're invested in their creations and it's never a bad thing to thank them <laughs> for what they did right. or to watch it even, you know, and, and to, to make a, to, to say, I really enjoyed the way that you got made this TikTok about our main character. That was great. Thank you. To watch again. it, to share it, to like it, yeah. to, yes, to recommend it. So let, yes. me, let me take, before you get on to the next best practice, I think this is something that um, the, the theme park owners, operators, the event owners and operators, the, the people on the other side, the non-media people uh, need to take into consideration. I, I think it is important to recognize that, you know, even if you can't give the media, everything they ask for, you know, I want, I want the social security numbers of all your performers. I mean, obviously you're not going to do go go that far. Um, You're not going to give away any sort of proprietary information. You are constantly in control of what they see and what they don't see. However, that said, give them something, give them the tools they need to help promote your experience. You know, work that into your, to your, your plan, your rehearsal plan, your costuming timeline, your, uh, makeup artist timeline. Make certain that when when the because I have seen this happen in other in other locations, the media will show up 
And no one, as, as Philip was talking about with Universal, no one has contacted them to give them information. No one has contacted them to say, here's what we're going to shoot. They just basically show up and fly by the seat of their pants. And then the owner or the operator gets pissed off because they see something that they didn't want them to see. So yeah. as an owner operator, make sure that you plan specific elements and specific moments where um, this is the content that we can put out there and work with your media partners uh, and the media people because they may have a suggestion. They'll say, hey, this is great. Can we look at it from this angle? Can we tweak it this way just a little bit and be open to those suggestions because that will help you craft it better for the next year um, to be yeah. certain that you are able to give them what they need. Now, don't misunderstand me. I am not saying, especially for Halloween, I am not saying uh, give away, you know, just give away everything. I am not saying that at all. I'm not saying allow them to come in and do a POV walkthrough of your entire haunt from beginning to end uh, and then peek around behind the scenes. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is prepare on your end so that when the media shows up, you have something compelling to offer them. And if you know that up front, you can let them know and have those discussions before they even show up. Yeah. Say, Here's what yeah. I can offer you. Yeah. So, so I love that. Um, I know that Scott and I have slightly different <laughs> opinions on the POV kind of walkthrough thing. Um, but I think I agree with that overall. And all the media that I work with appreciate that. Like they appreciate you telling them upfront, you know, what, what, what it is. And I, I also, I can tell from the back end when a haunt has thought about the media plan and when they have not. And that's, that's critical, but I'm just going to say, um, just be aware also when, when, when you are discussing kind of your media and what you're going to do and what you're not going to do that, um, obviously you're going to be thinking about that early. And then that's also going to determine who's going to cover you. And so it's like, don't be upset later, you know, like you just understand that, that that's all coming with it. And, and the reason is because of economics, right? So, so just like broadcast media, um, the other thing I'm going to say too, is if you're not allowing POVs or walkthroughs, don't give it to broadcast media and not to other people. Um, because there's a lot of other channels that have far more reach than broadcast and it will, you know, it'll, you get, you'll get on a blacklist because, because Attractions keep blacklists, but so do media. We keep blacklists as well of people. Uh, it goes both ways, guys. Um, but on the walkthrough thing specifically, just understand that um, different media need different content kind of for, for different business models. And I think that that's also, I think, difficult for attractions to understand. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like when, when, when people download apps and they're like, they don't think about it's free. It's like, you know, if you're not paying, then you're paying with your data or, you know, somebody has to pay for everything. Mm -hmm. And, and media is not, you know, free. And a lot of media, they don't operate just, you know, they have bills to pay too. So every media has their own kind of economics that go into the story. A lot of the people that do walkthroughs and do that whole kind of POV long style video. The reason they do that is because they need a compelling piece of long form content in order to monetize. And if they don't say, if they're not going to get an hour of usable, compelling footage from you, they're not going to come to you right? because there's no point. It doesn't pay their bills unless you're going to pay them. And that's the other way to do it. And at the same time, that may potentially be taking money out of your pocket because you're monetizing their video instead of your attendance. So, uh, so you have to kind of figure out what that balance is and what you're comfortable with. 
Um, I'm, I am not a fan. I am not a fan of uh, a full hour long here. We're going to, we're going to show you everything there is to do at this attraction. I, I don't agree with that. To me, that is the content creator who should be paying the park for content as opposed to um, the content creator advertising because they're not advertising. They're giving away the product. They're giving away the product in a video, in a, in a video uh, medium. That said, there are ways to do uh, POVs that are uh, a dim sum approach of the experience, which is what I think, yeah. um, and we'll get into this in a bit more detail, but it's what Philip and I shot last night at the Vault of Souls, because I knew exactly yeah. what segments I wanted him to see. I knew exactly what segments that I felt comfortable sharing. And because of the unique nature of the Vault of Souls, where, you know, every sixth guest has a different experience. So there's there's six different ways to experience Correct. The, the basement. Yeah. So instead of doing all six, instead of doing all six and shooting every single one of them so that there really was no need for them to come to the event, they could watch it on their phone. Um, we did one of the six and kept referencing the fact that this is different for everyone. So that gave, I'm hoping, enough content to, to create a compelling story for Philip and his media partners, as well as uh, advertising for our product. You know, I think Philip brought up a very good point. Everybody has to get paid. Everybody yeah. has to make money, and it has to. You have to create these win-win scenarios between the media and the the uh, attraction, so that you know the one's not, in essence, screwing over the other. And and I think that it has happened in both. It has happened both ways. I think there are times that the uh, the the parks or or the uh, attractions have taken full advantage of the media and basically screw them over to their own benefit. And I think there are also times now because digital media is becoming so incredibly powerful that they have said, no, we're here to promote. And what they're really doing is creating a special. They're creating a TV special, which should be paid for because the park has now had to do all of this work. Now, is there some sort of compensation in the middle there because it does raise awareness perhaps, but it may also be taking away ticket sales. So I want to make yeah. everybody finds that balance. I, Scott and I definitely disagree about this. So I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that's clear, underscore it, because I, I, I don't think it takes away ticket sales because I think it's the same argument as like people that say that like, the, you know, remember when people were like, oh, VR is going to, you know, there's, we don't need Disney anymore because we have VR. I'm like, well, like I, but that being said, also, I do want to point out too, like that, um, Scott's analogy of it being a, a TV special is spot on. When you have people that are a lot, and a lot of our media partners do this, you know, that's that's why I know after having worked with them, you know, so closely over these years, like that's not what what we do at the network. Like my native content is not like that, but a lot of our partners do. That's essentially what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a TV special. So it needs to be at the bare minimum, like. What, what they're looking for is that 20 minute mark or, you know, up to an hour. That's what they're looking for. But it has to be engaging the entire time. So that's that's really what. So it is really a TV special. Well, but then, and then that's how they get paid. As you said earlier, then they should be paying for the content. Well, and that's because that's basically what you're saying is that those kinds of long form media feel as though they should get their content for free and then monetize it and make money on the back end. But they don't. Um, but. Honestly, I think of it as a wash, if that's the case, because it'll take a day to shoot it. So that's six hours plus travel expenses and gas and food. And then it'll take 20 hours to edit. So 20 hours at how much do you get paid an hour? Like 
35 plus at 35 an hour for someone who's been a professional cameraman for 20 years. So are they going to make that much back in advertising? Maybe. I mean, that, that, so that's where you get into it is it's almost taking somebody to edit one of those. It's taking them maybe almost a full week of work. So it's like you having an employee, you know, working a full week trying to do that, but and, and, you know, and, and, and then showing, and, and I'm, don't misunderstand me. I'm saying specifically for Halloween. Yeah. I'm saying specifically for Halloween because the nature of a Halloween event is surprise. And if you eliminate all of that, you have eliminated the, the actual guest content. And so I, I find that, I find that frustrating. Um, I, and I also think that if you're going to represent your, you talk about compelling, if you're going to represent your Halloween event, a walkthrough, a real time walkthrough on video doesn't do it. It does not represent. You have to be very careful as to what you show. You show the highlights, you show the excitement, because in real life, your brain lets those, those, those uh, in-between moments go away. Your brain compact, compiles or compacts things. So a videotape, it's like watching a videotape of a play. A videotape of a play is not nearly as exciting as being in the theater to watch the play. And if somebody sees a videotape of a play and goes, eh, it's not that good, they're not going to go see it. But if they had gone and seen it in person, it would have been a completely different experience. I think the same is true with a haunted attraction. So what I'm suggesting is instead of doing the full beginning to end walkthrough, here's the POV of what a guest would experience, decide what you want to put together, what you want them to see, the highlights. Because that's really, you know, we're kind of saying, I know Philip keeps saying we're disagreeing. We're really not because we're saying the same thing. He's talking about it on the editing side. I'm talking about it on the, the, the actual uh, content side. Well, because it has to be interesting and it has to be compelling. Yeah, I, I just I want to push back a tiny bit on that. Not the concept that it needs to be interesting and compelling. I think where we agree is that the attraction needs to make a plan for this type. When media asks this question, you need to have a plan in place. And if you have no plan, then what's going to happen is um, and you just let, you know, let them go wild and whatever, then, you know, they're they're going to you know, then go through and do the full walkthrough and just make their version of the experience, which could be boring. Where I disagree and where this makes things complicated um, is, and I've said this for years, but, um, I, I, you know, basically there's a lot of people that, that do watch these walkthroughs that, that never intended to go, that they could never go. Like they'll watch them from another country. So you might ask, so... That's another thing where it's like, I'm not sure how many tickets are really being sold because a lot of people that watch it would, would never have attended. Now, that being said, that is how people in other countries become aware of what you're doing. But that's that's a big piece we don't talk about a lot in the media is like, well, just like with broadcast media, it's, it's, it's very similar. Like you don't know exactly who is watching the story if it's picked up by national news and what good does it do to have somebody watching five states away that's never going to come to your attraction. Right. That's, well, I think but it's that, very similar with those walkthroughs. To me, that that makes it so that it's clear that that content is benefiting the content creator and not the park. Well, and that's that is that is one of those pieces where I'm like, we don't talk about that much too much, but at the same time, like those channels are very popular, and that is it's a whole genre that you're going to face as an attraction of kind of dealing with that type of content. And it is a great way to get your experience out there where I agree but with Scott just, is where you, like, Philip, you just said, get your experience out there to people who are never going to go. So it doesn't benefit the, it doesn't benefit the attraction at all. 
I don't, I think there is still benefit in it. I think it depends though. So how is right? like, I think for the attraction for people who five states away who you just said are not ever going to go? So it's, it, perhaps a better question is to ask like, why does Universal Studios put up with doing so many walkthroughs? Because Universal Studios is, uh, is the big boys. They're, they have, six, exactly. they have six haunts. They're not going to do a walkthrough of every single haunt. They're going to do a they walkthrough do. of, they do, but they, but they, but they don't put them all together. They do. Okay. I oh, did. I, okay. Every channel I worked with did. And are you, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So if you want to be, if you want to, if you want to be successful, are, this are, is what you do. international company like Universal Studios, yes, give your product away because people are going to come anyway. But if you're not. I think, or if you shoot for kind of international kind of like, if you're shooting for that type of, I think my, my overall point was if you're shooting for that overall brand awareness, like if you have a brand like that with a shooting for that awareness, then that is where it makes more sense. And the other thing I would push back on is there's no people realize that it, it's different to do an experience like watching on your phone versus walking through in person. And you see that in the comments. If you have, like me, spent a lot of time reading through useless YouTube comments, but you, you look through... You, you, like you're not seeing people saying I'm not going to go. You're seeing people saying I'm going and this is why because I can tell this is going to be good or whatnot. And the, la the last point I'm going to say though is I, I think that we do – what we agree on is that you should have a plan for this. Yes. And I think here, – here's the thing though. Here's the thing. You, you can't um, – from the attraction point of view, I would make a plan for what you're going to put them through but not tell them. Right. Like, like, I mean, like not but didn't you just like if you're going to didn't you just say communicate up front with them? If I communicate up front with them what you're going to allow and have a plan for them, but don't go in telling them you're not going to give them the full experience if you're going to like curtail things, because a lot of the media, like a lot of those walk through experiences, they operate off of the concept of this was our like kind of un like it's kind of like the no filter thing this was our un like kind of our no filter version of our experience at the haunt to make it transparent so what my point is you can have a plan and say this is here's your experience here it is right and then it and then to them it's authentic but internally we know that we you know we we, we gave them a particular zone or whatever but just so you're aware like if if you if you up front if you tell the haunt that we're going to give you a different experience than the regular guest for this particular reason, then they will not be able to cover you. And right? I never once said, give you some, give somebody a different experience than the guest. What I said was give them an experience that you feel comfortable with the media getting, you feel comfortable with people seeing, um, you yeah. know, for example, again, going back to what happened last night, no matter the, no matter how much I am opposed to a walk through a uh, walk through from beginning to end experience, what we covered last night, and correct me if you feel that I'm wrong, but what we covered last night was a sample of the entire guest experience from the moment of yeah. arrival throughout the entire experience through the through the uh, every every one of the three acts. Um, but it wasn't a linear walkthrough of it, and 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 that's what I caution. That's what I caution again. Create the because I will tell you one of my favorite comments that I've received. I'm using this specifically for Vault of Souls because that just opened this past weekend, and and I'm very much focused on it. One of my favorite comments was somebody who had never been there before said, we had so much fun. It was so exciting and we knew all about it, but we didn't know the details and that exactly fun. So 
I, I caution, I caution uh, independent haunts or smaller theme parks to just open their doors and say, yeah, shoot everything, do the whole whole nine yards. Yeah, because I agree with that too. I, I don't think that's compelling to an audience. Um, uh, yeah, and I, I also think it makes it more difficult for the media creators Agreed. too. Like what what I enjoyed about working with Scott from that angle was that I met Scott and I was like, I discussed with him, this is what we'd like to do. Like I need my interview for me because as a network, that's what we do. We interview people and then we do highlights. That's what we do. Just like traditional news media. That's what I do. And I need the podcast interview. But our, and I, I told him like our partners want a walkthrough kind of POV style. If they were to walk through the haunt, you know, you want to see it in real time, the real time kind of like thinking of the puzzles and all that. And so but what I enjoyed as the media partner is that Scott helped me get that. He didn't just set me loose and was like, good luck figuring it out. You know, <laughs> that's, and so that I think that's exactly what we're what we're saying is like where you're meeting them in the middle where you're helping them. But also then in that way, you're able to control like the situation where you're like, we're going to start here and then we're going to go to here and we're going to go to here and we're going to here. And then in that way, you're like, oh, we're not like because we all have been there. Like the worst thing, and actually this happened to me at Universal. This is actually a great moment. We went, we did, I did two video walkthroughs of one of their houses. Both times we missed one of the main characters because they were on break. And that's the type of thing that shouldn't have happened because the handler should have said, let's do a different house first and then come back <laughs> to this one. Because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get it. And of course, you know, in, in one argument, you could say, well, that's a normal guest experience. I guess would have missed them too. And it's like, that's correct. But like, <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I'm saying. This is exactly what I'm saying. So even now, even though we've spent this entire show uh, sounding like we're arguing, we're saying exactly the same thing. We need to make certain though, that both sides, both the, the, the content creators and the, the owners operators need to, to work together so that both are satisfied, create a win-win scenario. And if, you know, if you are comfortable with saying, yeah, go, go do a walkthrough. Cause Philip, you told me multiple times that you, you, you shot certain haunts like four or five times and still didn't get anything usable because yep. it wasn't focused enough. It wasn't yep. what you need. It wasn't focused. It wasn't distilled. It was just, eh, go do it. Um, and that doesn't work. Um, because it wastes your time as a, as a, as the media, it wastes the uh, the attractions time because it just means there's somebody else with a camera interrupting even more guests' experiences. Um, and the one thing I will say in working with Philip, because I've worked with a lot of media over the years, in working with Philip and Haunted Attraction Networks, that's one thing that Philip is very very cognizant of, and that is if you're shooting during operation, not to impact the guest experience or to minimize the yeah. impact. Because again, yeah. you have to recognize. I think that the bottom line that we've talked about here in this in this show is you have to recognize that the content creators need to get what they need to to run their business. The independent operators need to get what they need to operate their business. And the real sweet spot is when they overlap perfectly in that great little Venn diagram so that no one feels as though they've been taken advantage of or um, denied anything. Uh, you just yeah. but you just have to have a plan for it and communicate that plan as transparently as possible right up front. Yep. All right. Well, we are out of time. We spent this entire time chatting. And, and the funny thing is, this is, as Philip mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a rarity for us because this was just us kind of riffing on a topic that we knew had multiple legs and we didn't get to all of the things we wanted to talk about anyway. Uh, but uh, it's, it, I think it's important. And I think it's important to recognize that media for Halloween is different than media for everything else and find that sweet spot so that 
content creators and and operators, owners and operators can can all be comfortable with it, all be happy with it, so that you either don't have to pull footage later that you've already edited, or mm-hmm. you uh, or that you don't feel as though the media has screwed you over by taking ticket sales out of your pocket. So you got to find that sweet spot. You got to plan ahead and find what is right for you. We are again out of time. This is Green Tag Theme Park in 30. My name is Scott Swenson, my co-host Philip Hernandez, and we will see you again next week. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com slash demo. That's gantam.com slash demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at HauntedAttractionNetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.